On this edition of Mike Drop Dallas, we're all about the need for speed. We're joined by NHRA top fuel dragster, Justin Ashley, who tells us exactly what it's like to go 330 miles an hour in less than four seconds. Then we're joined by new Texas Motor Speedway general manager, Mark Faber, who shares his ideas on engaging with young fans and decouching, I love that term, decouching race fans in, in North Texas. And finally, you're not going to want to miss our conversation with multimedia sports and entertainment star, Ro Parrish. He previews the Maverick season for us, and he tells us what he thinks is going to happen with the Will Smith situation. So another good one for you. Let's drop the mic and let's go. Welcome to Mike Drop Dallas, everybody, the official podcast of the Dallas Sports Commission. Kevin Sullivan here, joined by Dallas Sports Commission Executive Director Monica Paul. Next level, Marcus Carr also with us. Thanks for listening, for watching on YouTube. Uh, we really appreciate it. This is the only podcast where you can hear from the movers and shakers of Dallas sports and sports business on and off the fields of play. So if you like what we're doing here, please give us a five-star rating. It would help. Uh, Monica, normally we begin by asking you what's going on at the Sports Commission. But on our last episode, you said at one point, as we discussed the AT&T Red River Showdown, it's all about the hook'em. And it certainly was 49 nothing Longhorns. I just have to give you the floor here. I mean, how you, how are you, have you have you come back down to earth yet? No, no, silly. I'm still on cloud nine. It's quite amazing. I love the uh, what the media or others are calling it, the the Red River shutouts. Um, you know, it's long overdue. It's been some painful years here for for Texas and w- against Texas OU, but uh, it's my favorite week uh, weekend uh, out of the year. Always, uh, just the energy that it brings to to Dallas, to the State Fair, to Cotton Bowl Stadium. What what that rivalry and what that game means for our community is just amazing. And, you know, when you get a Texas win and a win like that, that just pretty much, that's a cherry on top for me. So I, I don't know. I didn't, you know, it starts putting me back into what if, what if uh, at the beginning of the season, if uh, our quarterback hadn't gotten hurt and, and, and whatnot and what that Alabama game could have ended up being, but you know what? I'm, I'm excited to see this team play. It's a definitely a different style of football and different, uh, a level of football than what Texas has been playing in the past. So it, it, it gives me hope and, and still, still very exciting. So I'll probably hang on to this one for a while, Sully. You know, you normally get as excited or more excited about the economic impact of the events you bring here. This is about $50 million worth in economic impact. But I think in this case, you're actually more excited about that, that shutout win, the first in the series since 1965. Oh, with, without a doubt. Yeah. The economic impact on my business case and uh, what I do on a day to day basis. Yep. That's, that's top of mind, but uh, and, you know, always on Friday, we, we host a, um, a Texas OU bash with the Cotton Bowl Athletic Association and Rick Baker and, and Marty and <clears throat> Michael and their team out there. So we always partner on that and I have to be neutral. So I have to go there wanting to put on my burn orange, but having to be neutral. So, but Saturday the, it turns to straight burn orange. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I, I, I've heard that, uh, you know, the, the stadium started to get empty pretty, pretty quickly there for those Oklahoma fans who just couldn't take it any longer. Uh, and, uh, but I, I did hear that a lot of people, uh, stayed, uh, at the state fair long into the evening in, uh, in Dallas. So that, that contributes to that economic impact for us. Yeah, the state fair rocking and rolling. Uh, I was out there Sunday to check out the Mavericks vault that we talked about last time with Nico Harris. Highly recommend it. Really cool. 42 years of, uh, of Mavericks history all laid out in the hall of state. Really cool. Uh, the weather has been perfect as it always is in Dallas, of course, uh, record attendance, if I'm not mistaken. So kudos to our friend Mitch Gleber. And let a little shout out to the PR team, Carissa, Delaney, and, and that crew out there for helping getting the word out because it is, they are humming out there. And I have to mention, uh, I said I was going to go see Lucinda Williams at the Chevrolet main stage, and I did with my family. It was awesome. 
my granddaughter Eleanor's first concert. It was really cool. Way to go uh, to the State Fair of Texas team. They are really uh, rocking it, as are the Cowboys at four and one going into a big Sunday night matchup in Philadelphia against the undefeated Eagles. The Stars are getting underway. The home opener Saturday against the Predators. The Mavericks opening right around the corner. Tony Faye PR had media uh, members out at PGA Frisco this week tr trying their hand at the new championship course. More on that, I'm sure, to come in future episodes of Mike Drop Dallas. But Monica, we also want to wish our, our friends at FC Dallas the best of luck as the playoffs get underway uh, in Frisco. Uh, very excited for our, our friends, Dan Hunt, Jimmy Smith, Gina Miller out at FC Dallas. Been working hard. You know, had some challenges over the last few years for for FC Dallas and getting in that playoff run and trying to stay in the playoff run. So um, excited to see that, especially what it means to to our region from a soccer standpoint, heading into, you know, probably some could say the most important years for soccer here in North Texas and over these next three years as we gear up for 2026 World Cup. Still a lot uh, to be determined there, but uh, definitely exciting to see our home MLS team uh, progressing and, and and really seeing the growth and uh, excitement there. So uh, I encourage all fans. I think we have very limited tickets, if any, left now available, but uh, definitely look forward to getting out and seeing our, our FC Dallas team. Yeah, third in the West, biggest turnaround, 20 points better than last year, biggest improvement year over year in team history. And I think you and I called this, Monica, because when we had new head coach Nico Estevez on the on the mic drop, we were really impressed by him, not, not just with his, his technical acumen, but just the vibe about bringing the team together and great energy around him. And we could tell that he could be the uh, the, the, the the right fit. So yeah, good luck to our friends at, at FC Dallas. And this, this week on Mike Drop Dallas, we are all about the need for speed. So we'll be back in a moment to talk drag racing and the Texas NHRA Fall Nationals, which are which are in town this weekend with, with uh, racer, dragster, Justin Ashley. Now over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors. Join us for the ultimate running weekend at the 2022 BMW Dallas Marathon Festival, December 9th through the 11th. Register your corporate group or team today. Two-person half marathon relay, five-person marathon relay, and 5K team challenge options available. Perfect for team building. Bring your company out and enjoy all the energy and excitement surrounding the BMW Dallas Marathon Festival this December. Contact groups at rundallas.com for more info. Thanks, Rachel. And now we are so pleased to be joined on Mike Drop Dallas by Justin Ashley, the youngest driver competing in NHRA's premier top fuel dragster category. He drives the Phillips Connect Toyota top fuel dragster, was rookie of the year in 2020 for NHRA. And if going 330 miles per hour isn't enough excitement, he's also the president of Ashley Developers, a real estate investment organization dedicated to the rehabilitation of distressed properties. He's a team owner uh, in, in uh, NHRA, Texas NHRA Fall Nationals, uh, this weekend at the Texas Motorplex in uh, Ennis. Welcome to Mike Drop Dallas, Justin Ashley. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. I hear so many good things about the uh, about the podcast, so I'm excited to be with you today. So, Justin, I just have to ask, what does it feel like to, to hit 330 miles an hour in 3.7 seconds? Yeah, as you can imagine, uh, it's a pretty amazing feeling. It's actually a relatively common question I get a lot, and it's one of those things that's tough to describe, right, because you can't really compare it to anything. The only thing I'll say is it's almost like, you're sitting in a rocket ship and you're kind of taking off because the speed is one thing, but the acceleration is another the fact that you go 330 miles per hour in under four seconds, obviously creates a lot of G force. So it has a tendency to not necessarily take a toll, but you're able to feel it on your body. You have about five G's when you take off and five G's when you pull the chute. So it's, uh, it's definitely violent. Um, and it's definitely a fast feeling. So, so take us on board. What are you thinking right before the light turns green and it's go time? Yeah, the craziest thing is I'm thinking absolutely nothing. I think that's what the best drivers in the world do is just simplify their minds uh, like any other athlete. So in the beginning, the first time you do it, there's so much, uh, so many thoughts that are going through your head, um, you know, and over the course of time, you naturally just simplify it. And just like the game slows down, the race itself slows down. But um, 
it's just kind of peace of mind. I think for a lot of drivers, that's where we're at our best is, is where we're not focused on all the distractions, all the stuff that goes on, on the outside, but, but just focus on our job. So the main thought process is just keeping the car straight, making sure it goes A to B and, and having a good reaction time off the line and, uh, you know, hopefully collecting a win at the end of the race. So this is the big weekend, uh, Texas Fall Nationals underway. This is the NHRA playoffs, basically. You're the points leader with just three races left. Can you give our listeners a preview of what to expect this weekend? Yeah, so, I mean, this, this is going to be a particularly special weekend. Uh, you know, we are racing at the Texas Motorplex. It's a stampede of speed. And, um, you know, Billy Meyer, Christy Meyer, uh, Elon Werner, everybody that handles the Texas Motorplex uh, does such a fantastic job this week because it's more than just a race. It really is a week of entertainment. And this weekend is going to be special. So Friday and Saturday, we'll have two qualifying runs each day. And then Sunday, they'll take the top 16 cars and we'll race against each other. But, you know, the beautiful part about this race and the beautiful part about NHRA is that every ticket literally is a pit pass. So for people that want to come out, bring their families, not only do you smell the nitromethane, you can genuinely and actually feel the cars vibrate as they go down the racetrack. It's an amazing feeling. The families are able to walk up and down the pit area, engage with the drivers, have a good time. Uh, the teams are able to sign autographs. So it's going to be a wild, wacky, and fun weekend. It is the fourth race of the playoffs. So it's coming down to the wire. So if you want to talk about a playoff atmosphere, uh, you know, this is as good as it gets, you know, comparing it to like football, we're getting close to like the, uh, you know, divisional round or the AFC or NFC championship. So, um, you know, all bets are off. Uh, and it's going to be tight racing this weekend. So, Justin, I have to ask people who want to get into this this type of racing, what are their, what, what's the avenue? How do you do that? Yeah, so, you know, we kind of have a special program. It's called Junior Dragsters. So you see these kids out there racing, you know, really from five years old, which is amazing. They have these little race cars. I think it goes five to around 17. And uh, you could probably start around 20 miles an hour and go all the way up to probably around... 80 or 90 miles an hour. So a lot of these kids uh, start out in junior dragsters like myself uh, and grow to be professional race car drivers and are fortunate to be able to do it. So the junior dragster program is probably the best way uh, to get into drag racing. And I think it's, it's a wonderful thing. Um, it's really a family atmosphere and it's a great way to get involved in the sport. Justin, we've had uh, uh, Christy on the podcast before, and we know all about the stampede of speed. What, what she has done and her family have done out at the Motorplex is incredible in terms of engaging in the fans. So tell us, you know, who are the typical fans that come out and what do you like best about interacting with them? Yeah, they're so engaged and they are so knowledgeable. Um, I think one thing that stands out to me is when you go to these different places, uh, you know, mostly the same tracks each and every year uh, is that you see the same people because they genuinely love it. You're going to have 25,000 to 50,000 people uh, out there throughout the weekend at each event. And I think, Probably what stands out the most is just their passion. They genuinely love drag racing and they're knowledgeable about it. They ask questions. They want to learn about it. And it's nice to be able to see those same faces year in and year out when you return to places that you were the year prior. So the fans are really amazing. Um, they're definitely loyal fans, um, you know, and they 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 help us as NHRA fans because we love and appreciate racing in front of a big crowd. You know, we mentioned Christy Meyer Johnson, but the, opportunities for women are not just off the track. I can go back to the seventies. I remember Shirley Muldowney and of course the 1983 movie, Heart Like a Wheel, uh, starring Bonnie Bedelia, the great Bonnie Bedelia playing Shirley Muldowney. What is it about uh, drag racing? NHRA really was a, a ahead of its time in many ways. Through Elon, we know all about Brittany Forrest. There's, there's a number of other women still competing in the playoffs. What is it about drag racing that has afforded so many opportunities for women. It's amazing. It's far and away the most diverse sport out there. Uh, you have women driving, um, black, white, Asian, Hispanic. It doesn't matter. There's all different races, religions driving. And I think it's, uh, it's an absolutely fantastic, you know, program that NHRA puts out because of the diversity. And, um, you know, I think a big reason for that is just there's opportunity. There's opportunity that's there. And, um, you know, for these women, to be able to, to be able to drive. And I think it's a really special thing because it shouldn't matter 
It should just be based on performance. It should be based on the type of person and the type of driver and the type of team that you have. And, you know, we all have that mutual respect for each other. And I think that that goes a long way. And, and that's a big part of it and a big part of the opportunity that's out there. And we have a lot of female drivers competing in the professional categories. Each one is better than the next. Each one is tougher than the next. You know, you mentioned Brittany Force, Shirley Muldowney, Leah Pruitt. Um, you know, there's a lot of them and they will take your head off. <laughs> Make no mistake about it. If you're not on your A game, they will put you down the trailer and send you home. So they're great at what they do. And uh, it's nice to be to be racing in a sport, uh, you know, that represents diversity and, and provides opportunity for women and, uh, you know, all different kinds of people. Now, of course, Toyota is now uh, based uh, in, in the Dallas area, their North American operation. With you being, you know, the Phillips Connect is a Toyota team. Is there an advantage, you know, for you being so close to uh, the to Toyota, you know, uh, uh, that that come into play at all? It does. I mean, it's it is so great to have a relationship with Toyota for a number of different reasons. They do a great job on the marketing side for the teams and for the drivers, but particularly Toyota guys racing North America and the data and the information that they provide our team and the other Toyota teams goes such a long way. Uh, you know, before each and every pass down the racetrack, we get a list of such detailed data and information that our crew chiefs are able to use that really directly correlate uh, to us winning races and going rounds uh, and performing well on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So there's always an advantage uh, and racing in Dallas this weekend, uh, you know, by Toyota headquarters uh, just puts that much more emphasis uh, you know, on how well we want to do this weekend. It is the fourth race of the countdown. Uh, the pressure's on. We need to perform in order to put ourselves in a position to win the championship. But, you know, racing for Phillips Connect, racing uh, in Dallas where Toyota headquarters is, uh, is something that we absolutely love to do and we're excited about it. One, one more before I lob it back to, to Monica. You played college football at Ithaca. I know you're a Jets fan, which uh, my condolences, although it really, it means that you're a tough guy because I know as, as a, as a lifelong White Sox fan, you know, it's, it's, it's way easier to be a fan of the Yankees or, or, uh, you know, one of the Dodgers uh, right now, but, but tell us about your football career. What, what kind of, what position did you play? What kind of player were you? So, yeah, so I played receiver. Um, I actually played quarterback my whole life until my senior year of high school and I switched to wide receiver. Uh, I'm from New York, so I went to a, a relatively big high school in Long Island, New York. Um, and then I walked on actually to Division three school and played three years there at Ithaca College. So uh, Ithaca has a tremendous football program. I think right now they're ranked like number 12 or 13 in Division three. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, more so than anything else, I think, you know how it is with sports. It, it teaches you discipline. It, it teaches you about life. So I absolutely love love, love football. Uh, it's a big passion of mine, not only playing, but following and studying the game. So, um, you know, that, that taught me a lot about life. It actually helped make me uh, a better race car driver, just understanding how to focus and understanding how to perform better, uh, and work well with the team. So, um, you know, loved playing football. I played for three years, uh, at Ithaca college and just, you know, I really, uh, you know, was fortunate to, to have that experience and enjoy that experience. So this is uh, your racing is is a family business. I think your father, Mike, was a multi-time NHRA champion, and he's now your chief marketing officer. So what is it like working with uh, Dad? Uh, any uh, disagreements? How, how does that work? Out? <laughs> it's awesome. Um, yeah, I grew up around the racetrack. So my father raced funny car, raced pro mod for many years. So that's how naturally I, I kind of fell in love with the sport. You know, but one thing that I learned from an early age is how important the business side of racing is, uh, you know, that is first and first and foremost, you have to have that part down before you actually get out there and drive. Um, and, and working with him now uh, as my chief marketing officers uh, is really a wonderful thing. It's amazing because I learned from him growing up and I'm learning from him today. And, you know, he takes a very active role in, in working with our partners, um, you know, and he helps our team become better because of it. So listen, not everything's perfect. There's not always, we don't always see eye to eye as father and son do, uh, as people who work together do, as you can imagine, I'm sure, um, to be a fly on the wall during some of the conversations, I'm sure would be relatively interesting, but at the end of the day, the cool part is we know that, uh, you know, we want to do what, what's in the best interest of our partners, what's in the best interest of our team. So the common goals are there. Uh, we share some funny times and, and funny experiences working together, um, but it all comes full circle. And, you know, we're very, very fortunate uh, 
uh, you know, to be working with, with my father because of his knowledge and, you know, and how much worth work ethic and commitment he puts into this. Well, Justin, we, we wish you nothing but the best this weekend out at uh, NHRA and uh, out in Ennis at the Motorplex. Uh, really thankful for you uh, joining us here on the mic drop and uh, look forward to continuing to follow your career uh, as we proceed. And I'm sure we'll ask you back on the mic drop sometime in, in the near future. So thank you again. And now I'm going to throw it over to Rachel for a word from one of our sponsors. Thank you. Love lacrosse? Need a part-time gig? IWLCA is looking for workers to help out at the IWLCA President's Cup and IWLCA debut November 18th through the 20th. Open positions include setup slash breakdown, field marshalling, Gatorade, and hospitality. Spend your weekend with us in Dallas. Contact Rena Weiss at rweiss at elitetournaments.com to learn more. Again, that's Rena Weiss at rweiss at elitetournaments.com. Thanks, Rachel. And now we are so pleased to be joined by Texas Motor Speedway General Manager Mark Faber. He took on that role in uh, last August. More than 30 years' experience in the sports industry, including a 17-year run with AEG, a company which runs arenas and stadiums all over the world. Most recently, since 2014, Mark was the SVP of Global Partnerships and ran T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. He's also a Kansas Jayhawk which all of a sudden is good at football. We're going we're gonna to get into that maybe. I'm not sure how that happened, but way to go. Uh, so, Mark, thanks for joining us, and welcome to Mike Drop Dallas. Rock Chalk, thanks so much for having me, Kevin and Monica. This is great. <clears throat> and, Sully, it's great to see you again after all this time. So it's great to be back in the great state of Texas. Well, we're happy to have you. Really happy for you on this uh, on the your appointment uh to be the GM at Texas Motor Speedway. Now, you've done a lot of great things in your career. Uh, you know, Learfield going back in the day, the Cowboys in, in, in that role, uh, the Orange, but lots of stuff we'll talk about. But no motorsports background. So how how did this happen? How has it gone uh, so far? You know, fill us in on kind of how this came about and what your experience has been so far. You got your first race at TMS under your belt uh, a few weeks ago. Fill us in. Yeah, and I had I had a brief uh, moment in time back uh, after host communications days um, in the mid to late '90s with an IRL team back then. That that stint lasted about seven months because they sold the race team. So you're right. I really don't have a lot of motorsports background. I have done some consulting. Um, on Daytona International Speedway, um, and back then it was PIR when they were looking at premium seating. But you're you're right. I mean, there's nothing like what uh, I uh, have been blessed to be a part of going to work uh, for Marcus Smith and the Smith family and Speedway Motorsports and Texas Motor Speedway. So uh, it's an awesome opportunity. It came out of left field and. Um, you know, we did. We left. We left Dallas Fort Worth 17 years ago, and uh, as a part of that process, like you said, AEG uh, to be a part of the launch team for Sprint Center as a part of the downtown revitalization there, and then to do the same thing and be the first boots on the ground again for AEG in Vegas with T-Mobile Arena and the MGM Grand Garden Arena, which we invested in, and. You know, those are two, you know, world-class arenas uh, at the top of their size classification. So hard to leave AEG, hard to leave that. But uh, to get involved with motorsports and uh, be a part of this 1,500-acre campus is just amazing, just phenomenal. You know, short term, I mean, you've only been there a couple of months, but what, what, what opportunities have you already identified as opportunities for growth? You know, uh, Sully, one of the things that I uh, came uh, up with and just talking about the people, and look, there's a lot of great people who have worked here a long time. They're very passionate about what they do here. They're passionate about this footprint and Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. But, um, you know, hashtag reverse the trend. Um, and we saw this We saw this at T-Mobile Arena and other teams and other facilities are seeing this as well people and families got real comfortable sitting at home with big screen TVs and watching uh, whatever they're watching, sports and entertainment uh, in the comfort of their, you know, media room or their living room or wherever. 
um, and kind of nesting, right? And so, you know, what we were putting an emphasis on before I came here was decouching. I've used that term um, in a couple of conversations like this. How do you get people off of the couch? How do you get people to come to uh, whether it's Texas Motor Speedway for great racing or a Mavericks game or a Stars game or a Cowboys game or, or whatever. And I know the Cowboys, you know, traditionally don't have issues getting 80 to 90,000. Uh, my former employee employers there. Um, but, you know, FC Dallas, whatever that is, how do you get people to come back out? And at the end of the day, it's the entertainment. And so, uh, Speedway Motorsports uh, has done that and had some great, I want to say, complementary, supplementary uh, entertainment elements as a part of the race weekend. Race weekend will always be core. The racing on the track is always going to be the core element, just like the game on the ice, the game on the court, the game on the field. However, what can you do to make it a fun environment and come out for families? Can you have, like we did, you have uh, Daughtry on a pre-race concert, All-Star Race. We had Blake Shelton as a pre-race concert. This past racing weekend, we had the uh, wonderful men and women from Fort Hood come up here, showcase tanks, military equipment, giving fans an opportunity to see who they are as human beings and also promote, obviously, uh, the Army. Uh, we had micro wrestlers, we had snake shows, we had Cirque performers, we had trackside live interviews with drivers. There's a lot of things for a lot of different people. And so, the, you know, six weeks that I've been here, uh, I just went to Charlotte Motor Speedway for the race there at Roval. Uh, they're doing some pretty unique things outside as well with entertainment. That's where we're heading, I think, as a facility, but also as an industry and uh, like I said, I've been drinking from a fire hydrant for the past six weeks, so I'm just eyes open and ears open. What about long term? If you could imagine three years from now, five years from now, this is what it looks like. Maybe it's even beyond the race weekends uh, at, at TMS. You mentioned 1,500 acre campus, a lot of possibility there. Long term, what are the ways that you could be more uh, engaged year round with the with sports and entertainment fans in Dallas-Fort Worth? We are, uh, from my background, um, I'm very community oriented, and I'm not sure that there has been a direct connection with the community um, in the past. And so I am uh, personally, as well as our team, going to get out in the community and be involved in the community. We have, for example, uh, Tony Stewart's smoke show today out at the Speedway, which is a uh, fundraiser for our Speedway Children's Charities. Uh, arm, which is really important to me personally about children and what we can do um, in North Texas and Texas as a whole. So, you know, people donate money to Speedway Children's Charities. They get an opportunity to ride around this great one and a half mile oval track with Tony Stewart today. Um, and that's a pretty cool thing. I come from the content world. Between our two arenas that I worked at in, in Las Vegas, we had 130 to 150 publicly ticketed events a year. It's always about content. So what can we do here from a content standpoint? Uh, we have a Hispanic festival the first weekend in November. Can we do some more festivals out here? Um, can we do a country festival? Can we do uh, a rock festival? You know, what What else can we do out here from a fan engagement or a citizen engagement out here? We have the Speedway Club. I walk in today and there's two events in the Speedway Club, um, which is fantastic. So we have a 1,500-acre campus that can be utilized for a number of different uh, platforms, a number of different events. And so, you know, that's what we're doing. We have the Winter Wonderland coming up, which I haven't experienced here, but... Um, I know that we did that out in Las Vegas, so I've seen that. So we just want to engage with fans. We want them to come back. And so that's what we're trying to accomplish uh, fourth quarter, but especially going into 2023. Well, Mark, I definitely vote country festival. Go with country festival. It's, <laughs> I'll be out there. No problem there. Um, <laughs> how does your past experiences with AEG, the Orange Bowl, Learfield, and, and the Cowboys really help you in this transition and, and your goals for, for the future? 
you know, great question. It's given me a confidence that, Monica, that I've been involved with a number of high-profile events throughout my career, right? So, you know, the Orange Bowl, I was an intern at the ticket office in the Orange Bowl after leaving a full-time gig at banking in Kansas City because I wanted to break into sports. And so Steve Atchell, oh. uh, you know, Steve yeah. hired me as an intern and said, hey, Mark, this is your opportunity uh, to get into the business you're not going to be here long. And uh, it was great. So the Orange Bowl, you know, six weeks into my job, I get promoted to ticket manager, knowing nothing about the ticketing world. I'm just an intern. And, you know, you jump in, you know, full feet into the fire. And so I learned that and then had the opportunity to come over with the Jimmy Johnson crew when Jerry bought the Cowboys. Um, and that's probably where I met Sully back then. But, you know, uh, go from one in 15, adverse conditions both on and off the field to turning that around and you know being a part of world championship teams and super bowl teams and so you know you learn that you learn that lesson about how how to face adversity so we're not judged by how we handle success we're judged by how we handle adversity and for me personally it's faith family friends slash colleague and fun so the four f's and so my my guiding principles that I've learned throughout my career um, on your question there, Monica, are driven by those four principles. And so one of the first things I want to do is with this passionate staff, many of whom opened this facility 26 years ago. And, you know, I realize I'm their third general manager in the past, you know, 15 or 16 months. So there's a lot of change. There's a lot of uncertainty and what's the direction well it starts with our core people and our core values with speedway motorsports and then utilizing my experience to connect in that manner and then how do we all work together to have remarkable events how do we engage like i said in the community and i've already started outreach like i said in the community and this is a great first start for for me to meet you monica's you know what can we do together to better the community. A rising tide raises all ships. And so that's where our philosophy is. And we want to have full grandstands next year. And it's slowly coming that way. We had, you know, pretty good footprint this past race. We had uh, RV uh, Camping Corporate was sold out. We had more sweet usage than we've had in almost uh, 10 years. All of our premium seating was sold out. The grandstands look pretty good. So what we're trying to do is what can we do for fans and, and people to come out? And that's what we're focused on. Well, you're kind of going directly into my next two questions. Uh, a lot of it, some of my questions have to do with, you know, the up and coming generations, those that are, I teach at SMU uh, undergraduate class. So I always try to throw some nuggets or get some nuggets uh, that uh, if they're listening, uh, which hopefully they are, they can, you know, take that and use that for experience down the road. But from a fan experience standpoint, your experience at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Sprint Center in Kansas City, how does that translate into, I mean, you have a much bigger footprint now. So going from a, a smaller um, venue and surrounding development area to what you have at Texas Motor Speedway. It's a one day at a time philosophy, Monica. Um <clears throat> You talk about a younger group and a younger generation. So that's one of the, the focal points for us as well as Speedway Motorsports. Number one, how do we how do we grow that younger demo? Now, when you come to our races, you'll see families coming. So we know that we have families and we have young children who are coming with their mothers and their fathers who are passionate about racing and, and fun events out here. But to your point, how do we grow that younger demographic group? So this past race weekend, we had social influencers who have significant following on Twitter or IG or wherever to come out and experience race weekend, then obviously come out and post. We had uh, comedians who have significant followers on a younger demographic group to um, be MC, help out and, and be part of the action. We had the actors from Top Gun Maverick, you know, three of the younger actors who um, were out here and were grand marshal and part of the flag, green flag ceremony. And so we are targeting that group. And so 
we want to be very strategic in how we grow that group. And so to your point, coming from T-Mobile Arena, which has multiple different types of um, events, you know, so I'm I'm saying, okay, what kind of events can we do to social target those those social media influencers and that younger group? So we're looking at doing that as well. But I think it starts almost at a grassroots level to try to grow it from there, and that's what we're working on. Well, you mentioned uh, kind of talked about culture a little bit and the staff that you have uh, out there have been there for a very long time, and uh, what your key key focus points are. Um, we like to ask our guests to describe their their leadership style. How would how would you describe yours? I touched on that earlier, but I, I think I'm you know, I'm certainly faith driven, and I think my leadership style um, focuses on that. It's a servant leadership style. It's not really about me. Um, I'm the next steward of Texas Motor Speedway. This, like you said, fifteen hundred acre property. Um, it's it's like a huge oil tanker. How do you how do you change an oil tanker? How do you move it, you know, slightly? And so it starts with servant leadership. And how can I lead and help others succeed on my team? Um, if we all if we all do well, we all succeed, right? So how can I help our leadership team? And we have a number of key veterans here that are a part of the leadership team. We have others that are in new roles. So I have I have uh, weekly one-on-one -on -one meetings with uh, my leadership group here. Um, and I talk about, you know, personally, how are you doing? It, coming out of the pandemic at AEG, we put a big focus on mental, emotional, physical health. Um, I added spiritual health to that. It just depends on the individual. But I'm really cognizant, Monica, of that, of the mental and emotional health, and then especially now physical health and spiritual health. So I have tasked several people here in my short time about, I want to know how you're doing first as a human being. Forget the work. How are you doing as a human being? And then if you're okay, that's great. If you're not okay, let's work through that first and foremost, right? Um, and so that's a big part of what I'm just trying to do. And I'm just trying to learn who people are, um, what they're all about, what are their priorities, what are their goals professionally and personally, and how can I assist? And then from a leadership standpoint, <clears throat> I want to make sure that people know what the focal point is for what we're doing for big events here. We want people to come out. We want to sell tickets. We want to make it fun. We want to have corporations participate. We want the whole community here. Uh, to be involved. And so, like I said, reverse the trend. We had a good race uh, to start that with this past fall. And we have truck race and IndyCar the first weekend of April. And then we also have uh, Xfinity and the Cup race in September. And so we're focusing on those plus Coda in Austin. We also lend a hand to our colleagues down there for the NASCAR race at the end of March. So five major big events. And then we're going to have good guys, we're going to have Hispanic Festival in November. We're going to have other events, and we're going to continue to to grow the pie, so to speak. Well, Mark, best of luck in your your new adventures at Texas Motor Speedway. We know you're going to deliver the goods because you always have. The uh, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing for your Jayhawks that uh, that Monica's Longhorns roughed them up so badly because that's if I'm not mistaken, I think Kansas has OU this weekend. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? Is it good to play them coming off a of 49 to nothing shellacking or or would you rather have them be a little <laughs> bit more, uh, you know, riding high? What's amazing, and you know this, Sully, is that, you know, a basketball school coming off a national championship and then all of a sudden 5-0 and in football, our starting quarterback went down the second quarter and uh, being the backup quarterback came in and did a real nice job and I think had four touchdowns. So, um with the Longhorns pasting OU, which I think was a shocker to everybody uh, in, in the college football world, except for Monica, um, <laughs> we're going to Norman as minus seven and a half underdogs. And I think that Coach Leipold and the coaching staff will utilize that to their advantage because uh, we did beat Texas last year, if you recall. Um, and that was kind of a springboard for getting some confidence as a young group. 
And so, you know, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm taking I'm taking Kansas in seven and a half. Yeah, good good call. You know, and, and you and I have crossed paths a few times over the years. I don't even know if you remember this. I think the last time we spoke was, I don't know, 2011 or somewhere in there. And I was I called you to ask about the College Basketball Hall of Fame at the Sprint Center in Kansas City, because Tony Fay and I were leading an unofficial campaign to get Rolando Blackman inducted, which actually happened in 2015. And so I want to thank you publicly for the guidance that you gave us on how to help make that happen for Roe. Even though he's a K-State guy, you were a, you were you rose above you, you know the rivalry and and uh and helped us out with that. So I, I all those years ago, uh I still I still think about how generous you were with your time to to help to help us help Roe get in the college basketball hall of fame. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. And we're you know, K-State are they're our cousins. Um, I always look at it that way. They're our cousins and our, our family is really blessed to have some great, you know, colleges involved. So, you know, we have the KU and then we have the K-State rivalry. I get that. My wife went to Texas Tech undergrad, uh, Baylor Nursing School, Abilene Cooper High School. Uh, my mom was born in Dallas, went to SMU her first year and then went back home to Missouri. Uh, my son graduated from Alabama roll tide and um our daughter went to belmont and nashville so um we're big into college sports and athletics and that basketball hall of fame is magnificent uh up there in kansas city and you know anything that we can do to get k-state folks in there you know we're, we're happy to help with well mark thanks so much uh for for joining us really appreciate your time good luck to you and now we're excited to welcome to mike drop dallas roe parish NBA TV talent, Turner uh, on-air talent. He got noticed, I think, first in his l l successful run, championship run, as the in-house DJ at Mavericks Games, but then became an Emmy Award-winning uh, talent at Fox Sports Southwest, co-hosting the Mavs Insider Show. He's at the Soto Eagle, 5-1, and one, off to a great start on the gridiron row. Welcome to uh, Mike Drop Dallas. Nah, I appreciate you all for having me. Thanks. And speaking of DeSoto High School, that is really where you got your start, as I understand it, making uh, recruiting tapes uh, for your teammates. <laughs> Tell us about that. Yeah, you know, we've always had a, a ton of talent in DeSoto. I, I played there at a time to where we had, what, five, no, excuse me, seven guys that played at the highest level in the NFL. Marcus Tubbs, Casey Printers, Ellis Hobbs, Patch Creighton, Tatum Bell, Anthony Schlegel. Um, those were just a number of the guys that that made it. But anyway, we had a lot of talent. Now, did I have the talent to go pro? Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. I had injuries. That's another conversation for another day. But I had a, a love for music, and I knew how to hook up VCRs. That'll date me right there. I knew how to hook up two VCRs together and hook up a tape deck and put highlight reels together of my teammates' highlights and put music over them so they can use them for recruiting purposes or just to show at the crib when the family came over and they wanted to show their highlights. So, um, and we're talking so yeah. VHS here. So that's, 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 yeah. that's a date you, but yeah, that's, yeah. that's not easy. Yeah. It's not like today when you can pull out your, your mobile device and you can, you know, download a video and, and edit it with whatever software you have on your phone, which is amazing. I love the technology. Things were a lot bit different back then. <laughs> now, now you have the thing that struck me about your personal journey. You, you have not a, you know, a lot of people grind it out, but you have managed your 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 journey, your career. You had this you had this exciting time at the Mavericks, and then you at some point you recognized I could do more than be an in-house DJ, and you took some chances. Local TV in Savannah, which didn't work out so well. Uh, what advice do you have for young people? You know, you have made it, you've accomplished so much, but you managed it. You you sort of planned it out and tried some things. You weren't afraid to fail. What advice do you have for for young people, a lot of people listen to the mic drop that want to get in to careers in sports and entertainment. What guidance do you would you offer them? Well, the first thing I'll say is is nobody's built like you. You design yourself. Those are words from Jay Z that I, I like to repeat. If you are passionate and you clearly believe in what you want to do and who you are, don't allow anyone else to to hate on you. Don't allow someone to put their insecurities on you. Uh, so many. There's so many avenues and, and different platforms for you to make it to be in front of the screen or behind the mic. There's so many different ways to do it today. 
you can create your own platform and do what you want to do, but don't let anybody tell you what you can't do because again, they're just looking at their own shortcomings and, and unfortunately putting them on you. Just keep pushing. The the Mavericks uh, open the season October 19th at Phoenix with the home opener against Memphis on the 22nd. Uh, what are your expectations for the Mavs this season? First off, we got to start with Luka the Don. He will continue to elevate his play. He is beyond elite right now. Last year in the playoffs, 32-10-6, and six, uh, the Western Conference Finals in his fourth season. Let me just throw some numbers out there just to be a, a little stat geek. So he's averaged at least 35-5 and five in his last playoffs. The only player in NBA history to reach those marks in three straight postseasons, the one and only Michael Jordan, who did it from 89 to 93. So clearly Luka is on that level. He needs to be an MVP-type player. He will be uh, an MVP contender, no question. Um, listen, the, the sky's the limit for Luka. Now, how is that going to translate to team success? That's going to be the big question. Jason Kidd has done an excellent job. I'm looking at the Mavericks to be a top-four seed this season in the Western Conference. Oh, I like this prediction. Uh and Ro, we had uh, Nico Harrison on last week. He said he was particularly excited about Jaden Hardy. Uh, what do you think, or who do you think may surprise fans or have the most impact this season uh, for the Mavs? Well, it's going to be interesting. You know, losing Jalen Brunson was huge, but congratulations to him for securing the bag and going to the crib, back to New York with his fam. So that's that's amazing, becoming a father too. But when you look at someone like Jalen Hardy, definitely, excuse me, Jaden Hardy, you want to keep him on your radar. The second round pick coming out of uh, the G League, you know, playing for the Ignite team. He was one of the top recruits in his class, I believe second overall. And he's shown that he can, you know, he has the potential to be a dynamic playmaker. We already know that Jason Kidd has come out and said Spencer Dinwiddie and Tim Hardaway Jr. will be reserves coming off the bench. So that might have the opportunity present itself right there for Jaden to step into that starting lineup. But, you know, he's still young. He shows some flashes of potential, but we don't know yet. But keep an eye on him to be a key contributor for the Mavericks this season. Bro, we've had Shaq on a podcast that you get to work with him uh, yeah. on your own podcast with him. What is that? What is that like? Shaq is the biggest kid that I've ever met. He's a grown man, but he is a, a, a giant kid. And I say that in the most endearing way. He has been hands down one of the best people that I've ever worked with. He's taken me places that uh, I'd never been before. I'd, I'd never been on a private jet before I started hanging out with Shaq. So thanks a lot for being able to jump on the PJ at a moment's notice. You get the itinerary via, te- hey, we're leaving out in an hour. Be ready. You know, being on stages, you know, going to other countries. But along with that, just being a good human being. He's a great person as far as what he's done in the business world and obviously as a basketball player. But one thing I'll say about him, he's a better father to his kids than he was a basketball player or he is an entertainer. So salute to Shaq. That's my man. Where where, where could give us your schedule now these days? Where can our our listeners and YouTube viewers find you? So, well, and, and I'll go ahead and break this news now. I, I will not be returning to Turner Sports this fall. So uh, I have a number of different ventures that I'm involved in right now. Uh, one of them will be uh, working with two-time Super Bowl champion Ray Crockett. He has a show called Crockett's Corner that will be on Fox this fall. I also will be taking my talents to ESPN, working with them in a number of different capacities and I also have some other business ventures that I'm really focused on right now. So it's it's a really big season of change right now for me. We wish you the best of luck with that. And before we let you go, we have a tradition, particularly with our media members that, that come on Mike Drop Dallas, to ask, you know, for a streaming or a download recommendation. It could be music, podcast, TV, book, uh, movie, you name it. What are you what are you watching, listening to, reading, streaming these days? Well. In, in all honesty, I I need suggestions. I've really been away from, from television and, and all types of that form of entertainment this past summer, just focusing on, on other ventures that I spoke about. I, I, I love hip hop, so I'm constantly paying attention to Drink Champs, the show with, with, with Nori. Um, but other than that, I've pretty much stayed clear. I, I am awaiting the return of Billions on Showtime. That is one of my favorite shows. I'm right there uh, with you. <laughs> although it's it's kind of different now. 
uh, since since Bobby Axelrod is no longer a part of the scene. Um, but I'm looking for suggestions. Maybe you, you guys can tell me something. You know, I would say the the show on Hulu and FX, The Bear, which I'm 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 Bear. from Chicago, and it it's a story of a of a you know kind of a Chicago beef Italian beef restaurant, and it's it's really really good. They take on all kinds of issues, but the dialogue is incredible. Great writing. I like that. the The Bear was a is a recommendation I would pass along for for a TV show. Uh, but uh, lots lots of stuff out there. I, I know Monica Monica's too busy, you know, bringing big money. Uh, an economic impact to, to to North Texas to uh to have time to watch or listen to too much. Yeah, so like I have I haven't been on uh on the Netflix or uh even reading books other than the one I, I read on vacation and that was just pure uh fiction and, and fun. Nothing to get too excited about. But uh I, <laughs> I, I think I'm going to the lake this weekend so I may uh, I may have some recommendations next I, week. I, know, but, I know Marcus has you, something Ro. I know Marcus has something for you, Ro. Yeah, Ro, I definitely have something for you. A couple of weeks ago, we had we had William Mao on, on the podcast, and he was particularly excited about 38 at the Garden, uh, the Jeremy Jeremy Lin uh, documentary on HBO Max. I checked that out um, uh, last night, and I, I thought it was particularly interesting. It was a different perspective of, um, I, I think, of the situation. You get inside Jeremy Lin's head a little bit, um, kind of through and through. Um, as a basketball fan, basketball lover, I think you would absolutely love it. Um, and then, you know, I, I think the new Giannis Disney movie is extremely intriguing to me. Um, it, it's not uh, not my typical t- uh, uh, cup of tea, but I, I thought it was actually really good. So so that, that's uh, that's two basketball ones. I'll leave I'll leave you. OK, awesome. I'll take that. And, and I, I, I lied. I did read Will Smith's book. I read his autobiography this summer. It took me longer to read it than I wanted to since there was a lot of moving parts. But I did read that and I would recommend, you know, whoever, whoever's listening or viewing this, check out Will's book. It's amazing. It gives you a, a deep look into his life. How do you think that situation plays out? The, re- the resolution of the Chris Rock slap and, uh, you know, with Will so talented, so popular, so likable for so many years now, now in a jam. What do you think happens? Yeah, well, one thing I'll I'll say about Will, and and I I don't know him personally. However, um, I, I am really good friends with his musical partner DJ Jazzy Jeff. And the the one thing I know about Will is he's always going to figure out a way to come out on top and rebound. Whether it be you know when him and Jeff were together making music and their second album flop, they came back and produced one of the greatest hip hop songs or one of the greatest songs ever created in summertime. So whether he's had some flops in movies, he's been able to come back and rebound. So what what whatever's going to happen, I know that he's going to come back and make the take the right steps to uh, you know clean up his image and and you know anything that anybody's ever thought negatively about him, he's going to change that. He's done it many times already. Well said. Well, Ro Paris, thanks so much for for joining us here on Mike Drop Dallas. Really appreciate the time, and on behalf of. Monica Paul and the Dallas Sports Commission. Thanks to our other guests as well, Justin Ashley and Mark Faber. Thanks to the Mike Drop production team, our producer, Icy Strain, Marcus Carr. Thanks to Rennet Vocal Media, our showrunner, Tony Fay. Until next time, thanks for listening and watching on YouTube, everybody.